Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. I have not met you yet. My name is Josh, and I'm so excited to be here this morning sharing what I feel like God has put on my heart. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am the kids director here. I also help facilitate small groups. And before we start with anything, I just wanted to start off by saying thank you, because I've only been here for a few short months, and I didn't really know anyone coming up here when I was uh, offered the job to work here, and you have all made me feel so invited and welcomed and a part of this family, and so I just want to say thank you for that, and also to say I'm, I'm excited to continue to get to know you, continue to learn names, continue to see familiar faces, so uh, thank you for making me feel welcome into this family. Um, with that being said, though, I'd love to share with you a little bit about myself uh, before we start with anything, and I grew up on the other side of the state where right now it is normally snowing in Spokane. Uh, I have two younger brothers, one of which is here today. Hello, Kyle. Uh, I have an older sister. I have uh, two incredible parents. Um, and I'm just blessed with an incredible family. Uh, some other things include that I love working with kids, obviously, being the kids director. Uh, I graduated from Western Washington University in the spring of 2017 with my credential to teach elementary school. Uh, and I spent my time subbing uh, most, probably about half of the year last year. And then the second half I taught full-time in fifth grade at Everson Elementary School. Um, but God moves and now I'm here. So uh, some of my interests though involve basketball, music, movies. My family and, and my friends often make fun of me because I tend to like uh, every movie I see. Um, every time I leave the movie theater, I ask who I'm with, what did you think? Did you like it? And 99% of the time when they ask me the same question, I say, yeah, it's pretty good, not bad. And I love sharing with my friends, uh, mu sharing music with my friends, watching movies with people, even if I've seen a movie 5,000 times, I love seeing uh, how people react to things that I love. So I'm one of those people who watches reaction videos on YouTube of like watching people watch videos, which is super weird, but I, I enjoy it. Uh, I get very passionate about things that I enjoy, uh, and I'm passionate about most things in life, which is great, but can also be somewhat harmful. Sometimes I get so excited about big ideas and goals that I just kind of jump in headfirst without really thinking about what I'm doing. I think a tangible example of this in my life that I think that we can all relate to is I'm not really someone who works out, as they say. Uh, over the years, there are many times where I'll eat a massive meal and feel terrible afterwards. And I know that we all feel the same way because Thanksgiving was just a few days ago. But uh, in those moments, I will get a sudden motivation of, of convincing myself, I'm going to go work out now. I know what I need to do. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to go on runs. I'm going to do push-ups. Whatever it takes, I can do it. And then like three days will pass by. And then I'll miss a day, and then that, that's the end of it. And that's because I just had a big idea, and I didn't set myself up to succeed. Rather than making a plan and pacing myself, I just kind of go without really thinking. And after doing this multiple times, it feels a little self-defeating. 
Because eventually I get to a place of why bother? Why should I even try if I continue to fail? If it just doesn't really seem to work? And I bring this up because I believe that it is something we can all relate to in one way or the other. And I think that it relates to the series we have been going through with Help Heal Our World. I love this series because I think that it is what we are called to do. And I love that we are talking about how we can participate in the kingdom of God. But to be honest, when I first heard that we had a series called Help Heal Our World, it felt self-defeating. Because when I hear Help Heal Our World, that sounds like a massive undertaking. That sounds like big ideas like eradicating homelessness, ending war, eliminating sex trafficking, ending poverty, providing clean water to the whole world, ending famine. The list goes on and on of things that we know are wrong with our world. It honestly makes us feel helpless at times because in the world that we live in, we know that it's broken. We know that there is something wrong with us, and to be real honest, it just feels like nothing will get better. We often ask ourselves, how can we help heal the world? What can we even really do? Those things are way too big for us. I mean, you all have been incredible in your generosity with the, with the food bank drive and doing the toy drive now. But to be honest, have you ever thought, does it matter? Does it really matter what we're doing? If brokenness continues to persist, should we even try if nothing seems to be working? How could we actually help heal our world? This morning, we're going to be going over a story in which we see that rather than trying to achieve things to help heal the world, we are actually being called to be faithful with what we have been given. We will see that by simply being faithful in our everyday lives, we can actually help heal our world. So if you have your Bibles or a Bible app, we're going to be going through Matthew 25 verses 14 through 27. It's also going to be on the screen. Um, but before we jump into that, let's go over the context of the scene we are going to be reading. At the beginning of the chapter, prior to the one we are going to be reading out of, chapter 24, Jesus had been preaching in the temple. And a couple of verses later, the disciples and Jesus are on the Mount of Olives. And the disciples ask him, what is going to be the sign of your coming and your return and the end of the age? And in reply, Jesus responds in ways that the disciples don't understand. And he begins instead to talk about his return and when he will bring his kingdom in full. He tells a series of confusing stories and parables uh, to represent what and when his return will be like. Uh, in like middle of chapter 24, he tells a parable in which he basically is saying, don't assume that my return will be quicker than it actually is. And then a little later on, he tells a separate parable that says, don't assume that my return will be longer than it will actually take. So we are jumping into the parable that follows these two, and it will show us how we live our daily lives in the meantime, as we wait for the return of Jesus, who will redeem all things. So let's look at the, uh, in the verses in verses 14 through 15. <clears throat> it says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold to another, two bags and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Okay, let's pause here. This story is often referred to as the parable of the talents. In this translation, it says the man gave his servants bags of gold. In other translations, it says talents. Just so we know, one talent 
is equivalent to about 20 years of wages, which is actually a ton. So already, there are a few things that we know that Jesus is showing us in this parable. First of all, it is pretty obvious he's describing himself when he's talking about the man who's going to be going on a journey. And he's, the servants are then all of us. So we know that a man's going on a journey, and he's entrusting his servants with, with a substantial amount of wealth. Even though each one of them gets different amount, they all get quite a bit. Now, some of you might be thinking, if I'm supposed to be the servant in this story, it sure doesn't feel like I've been given much. And that might be true for many of us. Maybe you have felt like you were given an unfair hand in life, that the odds haven't really been in your favor. But, but what I know to be true is that God has, all, has entrusted all of us with something. He has given all of us specific gifts. For example, some of us might be great at sports. Other of us might be great at art. Other of us might be great at speaking. Some of us might be great at listening. Every one of us has been given something. And rather than looking at what we don't have, we have the opportunity to see what we have actually been given. In addition to that, though, one thing that I know we have all been entrusted with is the life that we have been given. We have all been entrusted with the life that we have been given. You only have one life. You only have one shot at this. And the question is, what are you going to do with it? What will we do with what we have been given? In the next few verses, we are going to find out quickly what the servants do with what they were entrusted with. In verses 16 through 18, it says, The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So the servants who were given more end up going out and doubling with what they had. They end up multiplying what they were given. But the third servant takes his gold, digs a hole, and buries it. And why in the world would he do something like that? I was very confused when I first read that because I didn't understand why you would just bury the gold that you were just given by the master. But as I thought about it a little bit more, I think that he did this for multiple reasons. And I think that we can actually all relate to these. When the man buries his gold, he's making an active choice. Digging a hole is not a passive action. It's a deliberate choice. He is actively choosing to play it safe, to do nothing, to not risk anything. Fear and pride hold this servant back. Fear of failure, because if he tries to use what he has been given and loses it, that, that would be bad. And if uh, pride, because he's too prideful to actually take a risk and fail. In fact, as a servant, his, his job is to serve the master, but the master has left on a journey. And the only thing the master has told him to do is look over this wealth that he's interested in with. So him burying it is him actually just choosing to do nothing. He has nothing else he should be doing. And he's just saying, no, I'm not going to do what you told me to do. But I mean, who could blame him? All he has is one bag of gold. The others have more. They can take more risk. So I'm sure he's thinking, if I had what those servants had, then I could actually do something. But I only have one. I'll bury it. I'll play it safe. And I do this all the time. 
I say, I can't help heal our world. I just go to school. I just work a nine-to-five job. I don't have the resources that other people do. But if I did, then I would help heal the world. I'm sure of it. But, I mean, what can I really do in Birch Bay, Washington? We live as though Jesus hasn't actually set us free. The truth is, we have already been set free from the chains of sin and death. Jesus broke the locks on the cage, swung the door open for us to walk out of, and use what he has entrusted, entrusted us with. And you know what I do all the time? I sit in the cage and I say, I'm good. It's safe in here. It's comfortable. I'm at ease. Thanks, but no thanks. I act just like the servant. I bury what I've been given right into the ground. We only have one life And often we bury it rather than living it and using it to multiply what God has given us. But that is not what God desires for us. He wants to partner with us to help heal our world. And this is seen in the next few verses. In verses 19 through 23, it says, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I love this part of the story. I love that the servant who gained five bags of gold gets the same response from the master as the servant who gained two bags of gold. The master's response is not dependent upon the amount that the servants give him. It's actually all about their faithfulness. It's all about the fact that they were both faithful with what they had been given. They were both faithful with a few things, and now they're going to be put in charge of many things. And that really only makes sense because, for example, let's say your family is going to buy a pet, and your kids really want a dog, but you need to teach them that owning a dog is a big responsibility. So instead, you buy a goldfish, and you tell them if you can feed the fish and take care of the tank and do all that's needed uh, to provide for them, then you'll show us that you're ready to have a dog. But if the kids don't do any of those things, and then the fish dies, of course you're not going to then buy them a dog. If they aren't faithful with a few things, why would I then put them in charge of many things? To be honest, I've had to ask myself that same question. If I'm not faithful with a few things God has given me in my life, why in the world would he put me in charge of many things? But you know what I do? I say, but God, if I had more, I could do something. I can't do anything right now. I can't make a dent in the world. Thankfully, though, God has been showing me how wrong I really am. As I said earlier, I spent a lot of time substitute teaching last year. At this point last year, I remember being in a completely different place in life. I felt no direction. I felt like all of that I was doing really just had no purpose. That didn't really matter. There were days I was dragging myself to school just trying to get through it. And I couldn't see what was next, but all I wanted to do was make a difference. I wanted to be a part of changing lives. But I mean, what could I do as a substitute teacher is what I thought. And towards the beginning of the school year, I was subbing at Everson Elementary in a fifth grade classroom. And I met a student who gave me 
all kinds of trouble. I got asked to sub for this class a few more times, and reluctantly I said yes, and the student and I continued to have our battles. And to be honest, at first it was hard for me to have compassion on, on this kid who just seemed to have it out for me. And about halfway through the year, I actually got asked to teach full-time in the room next to this one, uh, the other fifth-grade classroom. And I said yes, and I ended up having a lot more interactions with the student, especially since the two fifth-grade rooms were in a portable and they were right next to each other. So we did a lot of collaborating together. And over time, I noticed that God was changing my heart towards this student, though. No longer was I easily frustrated with her. Instead, I had immense compassion towards her. I quickly learned that she had had a really difficult life filled with pain. Her father passed away when she was really young. Her mother struggled to take care of her, and she had been in and out of the foster care system. And so I felt for her. And I had an idea placed on my heart, and it was that I really just wished that the student could go to a summer camp called Ray of Hope. And Ray of Hope is a camp that I worked at the previous summer, and it's a place that is specifically uh, for kids who have experienced trauma at some point in life. And when I worked there, it just, it changed my life. Kids who never are loved are shown that they are loved a ray of hope. But I couldn't shake the thought of just wanting her to go because she needed someone to advocate for her. Just someone who would show her who she really is beneath all the circumstances of her life, how valuable she really is. And so I told her teacher that I really thought it would be awesome if she could go to Ray of Hope, but I really had no say over it. I had no ability of contacting her family or the camp or, or anyone really to make sure that would happen. I just kind of hoped that it would. And towards the end of the school year, my relationship with the student had improved, but we still had our bumps in the road. Uh, I said goodbye, not really knowing if I'd really see her again. And soon after, about a week before Ray of Hope was to, going to begin, I was with my friend Jacob, who ran the camp, and he showed me the list of kids who were going to be in my group for the summer. And I cannot explain to you the joy that I felt when I saw my student's name on that list. Not only was she going to camp, she was put in my group. This student and I ended up having a blast together for the whole summer. We grew close where she was able to trust me. And yeah, we had some difficulties here and there. But we had amazing conversations in which she confided in me and other leaders multiple times. We talked about God together. We went on field trips as a group. I had the chance to show this student how loved she really was. And at the end of the camp, she wrote me a note that said, I know I can give you a hard time sometimes and that I call you mean, but you are so nice to me and I'm going to miss you. That might seem like a simple note, but it was not at all. It meant the world when I got that note. That note was a result of a year together. And what a privilege it was to be able to watch her grow and in the same, in, at the same time see that I had been completely changed by God as well. That time last year, I felt lost, no sense of direction, no true sense of purpose. And all I wanted to do was make a difference in the world. I wanted to help heal our world. I can remember praying, God, show me someone that I can love. Give me some, please just use me in some way. Give me an opportunity. And what's funny is that the opportunity I was desperately longing for was right in front of me the entire time. I was thinking so big and wanting to be a part of fixing everything 
that I was missing what was right in front of me. But I am so grateful that I didn't stop subbing even when it didn't feel purposeful. I'm so grateful that I remained faithful to the little thing that was in front of me because I have learned that you never know what God can do with your little faithfulness. And I just keep thinking, what if I had said no to full-time teaching? Yeah, it could have been a little more comfortable, but I would have missed out on so much God wanted to show. I may not have helped heal the whole world through being faithful as a sub, but I did get to help heal my students' world. I got to help show her that she is worthy of love, that she is valuable, that she's cared for, and that she matters. What a privilege to be able to do that. But what if I had played it safe? I would have missed out on so much joy, and her year could have been completely different. Going back to the verse, the master replies to both servants and says, You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And I can tell you firsthand, there is nothing like sharing in the master's happiness. There is nothing like partnering with God to be faithful with what he has given and sharing in the joy that he has in return. Don't play it safe. Don't sit on what God has given you. Look at what you have right in front of you in your daily life and think, how can you be faithful to that? How can you press in rather than trying to escape and go to the next thing? God wants you to share in his happiness. And trust me, there's nothing in the world like it. You have no idea what he can do with your little faithfulness and the little things in your everyday life. Use what he has given you. Don't bury it in the ground. Let's pick back up in verses 24 through 25, where it says, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not gathered scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The servant who buried his gold is now facing the master who entrusted it to him. And I'm sure that we can all relate to how this servant starts his response. He's basically saying, I know you expected the best. You have high standards. So I was afraid and I buried it in the ground so that I wouldn't lose it. Here it is, safe and sound. The servant is justifying his actions to the master before the master says a word. The servant starts with being defensive. He twists the truth to make himself feel better about having done nothing. I mean, he didn't lose it, right? He's doing what the master asked of him in his own mind, but that isn't the case. He's actually just serving himself and staying safe, convincing himself, it's okay if I bury it. I'm keeping it safe. I know I can relate to this. In fact, I would say that most of my walk with the Lord has included having an attitude like this. I convince myself, hey, I'm a good person. I treat most people fairly. I'm not really mean to anyone. I don't cuss. I work hard. I mean, I don't really harm people. Yeah, I'm a good person. But I've been, I've been hit with a convicting question from God lately. And that question is, what am I doing? Like, actually, what am I doing in my everyday life where I'm loving people? Because to be honest, I am tired of convincing myself that this faith that is safe and comfortable all the time is all there is to it. I want something more than that. I want to do something. I want to experience the happiness of the father, the happiness of the master. I want to actually love others and move out of that love. We often convince ourselves that we are loving others because we aren't mean to them. 
If I don't treat them poorly, I'm loving them. That's not love. Love is not passive. It is active. If I loved my family and friends and ignored them, that wouldn't make sense. Often our version of love is tolerance. God calls us to love everyone all the time. Sometimes I think that if, I'll, that if I do more, I'll end up being a better Christian or I'll be more valuable. But that's not true either. If that's my motivation for love, that's not love. That, that is just self-service. Love is not an agenda. The truth is I'm already whole. I'm already fully loved right now because of Jesus. Not due to anything I do or don't do. But he is calling me to live out of what he has actually given me. We don't help heal the world to make ourselves feel better or to check a religious box off as we write a check in the Christmas season. We help to heal the world because we want to. And because of Christ, we can't help but extend the love that we have been given. But often, I more so act like the servant who is defensive about doing nothing. Do you love the people in your everyday life? Do, your, do our lives reflect that we love Jesus? Helping to heal our world involves loving others and loving God, and often we do neither, convincing ourselves otherwise as we bury it into the ground. But I'm grateful that God sees right through this. In verses 26 through 27, it says, His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. The master says, so you knew I had high standards and in return, you literally did nothing? If you were going to do nothing, you could have at least put it in the bank with interest. The servant has said that he buried what he had been given in service of the master, but that is not true. He buried it in service of himself. Because think about it. What if the master didn't return? If the master did return, the servant could give him the gold without any loss. But if the master didn't return, he could keep it for himself. He didn't want to put any in the bank where it would be recorded that it belonged to the master because he actually wanted it for himself. And the master sees this in plain sight. The true intentions of the servant are now revealed. The master is not upset with the servant because they took a risk with what they were given and failed. That's not the issue. The issue is the servant played it too safe. The servant played it too safe. The servant did nothing. So Christ the King, I have a simple question for you. What do you want? Do you want to help heal our world or would you rather play it safe? Are you all in? And when I say all in, I don't mean like we need to do this world-changing action and in a week the world will be hunky-dory and everything will be fixed. That's not what I'm saying. When I say all in, are you all in in your everyday life that might seem purposeless, dull, routine, and mundane at times? Are you all in to following Jesus? Don't be self-defeated by feeling like anything you do doesn't matter or can't make a difference. That's just not true. Everything you do every day matters. Every single moment of our day is an opportunity. Instead of going into just another meeting or just another work day or another class, you actually have the opportunity to love people in those 
spaces. We have the opportunity to be faithful with what is in front of us and to love others intentionally, to use what we have been given. So what are the things that you can be faithful to in your daily life? Who are the people that you normally overlook as you're just going through your day that you could actually love? Who are the people at work that you have seen a million times and you've never said hi to? Who are the people you sit next to in class every day and you've never gotten to know? If you want to be part of helping to heal our world, start doing so in your everyday life. Do you know your neighbor's name? What are they like? Who are the people in this church that you've gone to church with for two years, but you, you just, you've never met them? Are you loving the people in your own family? Are you helping to heal one another? We often live our daily lives and watch life pass by going day by day. In the meantime, we're doing nothing, bearing what, what we have been given. And then when we do a service project once a year, we say, yay, we're, we're okay. So often we pray, God, use us, show us someone we can help. I want to start helping to heal the world. I want to make a difference, but I don't know where to start. I feel like the whole time God is saying, look around you. Look at the people I've placed in your everyday life. Love them well. Press into what's in front of you. Be faithful with what God has given you, and he can move in incredible ways. You, all, you won't always see the results of your love for others or your faithfulness, but that's when you need to ask, do you actually trust that God is moving even when you can't see it? I didn't feel like I was doing anything and being faithful to subbing last year, but I am so grateful that I pressed in because more, because it ended up being more than I could have possibly imagined. So as we wrap up, I want to push you to not leave here and say, okay, all I need to do is learn my neighbor's name. I can do that. Yeah, do that. But also, who, what are the things in your life that are difficult for you to be faithful to, that you don't want to be faithful to? Who is a person that is really hard to love, and how could you actually love them? As we end, reflect on those questions, and trust me, you will be shocked at how God can move in your faithfulness. And can you imagine if we actually all did this? If we all left here today and just started to love people well in our everyday lives, can you imagine if we all said yes to the little voice in our head that said, go talk to that person, pray for that person, do this for that person? If we started to love our families well, our coworkers well, our neighbors well, Birch Bay, Washington would change dramatically. People would say, what's going on there? I want to be part of that. You don't need to try to help heal the world all on your own, but we can do so together by playing our individual part in being faithful with what we have been given in our daily lives. Don't leave here and say, wow, what a nice message. Instead, do something about it. Don't leave here continuing to bury what you have been given. As we pray, ask God, what is he calling you to be faithful to? Who are the people that you can love that you normally overlook? Ask him to give you the joy that comes when you partner with him in helping to heal our world. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are faithful to us always. That you pursue and you never relent and you are always chasing us no matter what we do or don't do. Your love is faithful and reckless towards us. We are so grateful for that, God. 
God, I pray that you would help us to love others in the same way, to love you in the same way, the way that you're faithful to us. Help us to be faithful to others. Help us to be faithful to the little things in our lives that we don't always see the purpose of it or know why it's happening, but we can trust that you have purpose in it, and that can bring us joy every day. Thank you so much, God, for how you're moving. We're excited for what you're continuing to do, and I pray that you move in our hearts this week uh, and convict us of what you're trying to tell us, Lord. We love you. Amen.